Hey, on the episode Free Chava, we address the plight of the Aguna, the convoluted roots of the issue, contemporary rabbinic response, social media pressure, and the solutions moving forward. I'm Moshe Schoenbrunn. This is the Chavrusa Podcast, an exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women for over 3,000 years. There is an extremely crucial Ramban, Nachmanides, that's fundamental to understanding the entire process of halacha, the way of life, of a Torah lifestyle. And he says the following, a person can be, according to the letter of the law, following the Torah and be despicable. Can be naval, naval b'rshus ha-Torah. Somebody can be despicable while following the Torah. And he explains, because Torah was written in principles of mitzvah. It's meant to give you a principle, a direction, an aim, a trajectory, a kavanah of where you're going, where you're supposed to go to. Now, there are certain qualifications along the road that you need certain stops. So, say you're going on a vacation to San Diego, so you got to go to La Jolla and see the sea lions, you got to go to the beach, you got to eat food, you got to have a place to stay. There are certain like must, must uh, see attractions, but how much time you give to each one, which ones you go to see first, what extra things do you throw in there while you're there, uh, fill out your itinerary. If you understand the direction of where you're going, what's the point, what's the purpose of that vacation. So is it because you're overstimulated, overworked, and now you need to relax, so you'll fill those things in with more relaxing elements? Or is it that you're going for business and you need to fill it up uh, with things to networking and meetings and things like that? And the same is true. Whatever your aim, goal, final uh, picture or thing that you're going for, you'll line up all those different elements there. So yes, there are certain elements along the way, we call them mitzvot, but they're meant to bring to a greater purpose. They're meant to bring to a greater goal. Says Nachmanis, what's that greater goal? The Asisa Hayashar Tov. It's a verse in the Torah, in Deuteronomy, in Devar. One should do what is good and straight, the Ene Hashem in the eyes of Hashem. Yashar and Tov, a person has to become Yashar and Tov, straight and good, to do the right thing. And that's what all the Torah is about. Now, it says Nachmanis that the Torah is not going to describe, it's not going to give you every single step and scenario. Tuesday morning at 11 a.m., this is what you should do. This is what you should uh, eat today. This is who you should call. This is who you should meet with. Because that would be impossible. That would be ridiculous. It's, it's, if, if Torah is going to be timeless, it, it has to apply to every single situation, every generation, every person, in their unique circumstance where they are. Therefore, instead, the Torah gives us principles, basic principles of how to operate in the world. And when we could extrapolate the underlying value in those principles, we can understand the aim, the trajectory, the destination of where we're trying to go, then we can align all our actions, not only what's explicit in the Torah, because even if if you stop there, you could be despicable. But to go beyond that, to do what's yasher and tov, to do what's good, to be a good person.
What emerges from the Ramban is that a person can distort, can distort, can completely undermine the ideals of what the Torah is trying to do. An institution, it could take a legal process and the person could not only just not follow it, because that would be one thing, okay? You're not up for it, don't follow it. But to claim that they're following it while <laughs> while destroying the very idea foundation of what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what can happen, for example, in the case of a get. A get, which is a very institution, the divorce process, the halachic divorce process, which at the very beginning is meant to facilitate and to protect both parties in a marriage. The ketubah, the whole idea of the ketubah, prenuptial agreement in, in the legal sense of the word. Right? People make beautiful ketubahs these days, but essentially that's what it is. It's a commitment for a certain amount of money. Commitments during the marriage and then post-marriage. And a person could take that and within the confines of the Torah, be despicable, can be a naval. And it's something that is tragic, it's something that is condemnable, and it's something that it's, it's truly horrendous to see. Now, full disclaimer, this could be both parties. Be both parties that could use a get and the religious side of a divorce because there's a legal secular side to it also in American courts let's say for using America as an example and a person could use that as leverage in the negotiations and what that is is a corruption of the very ideal that the Torah is trying to pr promote in our marriages, in our divorces, if unfortunately it comes to that, in general, in our lives, to be people that are yashar and tov, people that are straight and good. And if a person uses that as a leverage, you have this guy, Naftali Sharabani, who now for over 10 years, for over a decade, has been using a get as leverage, refusing to give the divorce unless I don't even know what his unless is but whatever his demands are or maybe he doesn't even have demands he just wants to torture his wife not to be able to permit her to move on the person does that they're in the val it's despicable right and are there two sides to the story there's ten sides to the story <laughs> but the fact is that is a process. And what happens is you go to a, a court, a bezin, and they issue a sirup. They investigate. And if a person refuses to show up and refuses to give the get, then there's a sirup. This person's a refuser, a get refuser. They're put on any list. They shouldn't be involved in any communal institutions. They shouldn't be part of a minion. They shouldn't be invited over for Shabbat meals. They shouldn't be... Uh, Welcomed in any sense should be hired for a job until they do what's right and give the get. And then you work out the rest of the 
negotiations. I'm not saying complete capitulation to any demand that any party in a in a divorce proceeding is making. No. But leave the get out of it. Leave the the Torah halacha out of it. You do the duty, give the get, and then go in, in through mediation in courts, figure out the process. Now the fact that there are people like Sharabani that are using it, it's it's disgusting, and it perverts the whole concept of the Torah. The way to know, in my opinion, the way to know if something is yashar and tov, if this is straight and good, is first of all, plug for the Chavrusa podcast. We're gonna we're gonna delve into this issue in depth in one of the the upcoming seasons. It's gonna be specifically on this topic on yashar and tov. What is something that is straight and good? How do I know? something straight and good because everybody's biased at the end of the day we all have our own feelings about things we all have our own uh opinions of this is good and this is the moral thing and you see you know people could look at one issue and both of them be so assured how their opinion is the legitimate not only the legitimate one but the moral one and the other people you're a villain (laughs) you're a bad person if you don't agree with me so how do i know if i'm actually objectively Achieving something that is tov and yasher, something that is good and straight. We'll, we'll delve into that based on a book of, of the title, Sisa Yasher Tov, written by Yeroshiva and Chevron, Simcha Zissel Breida. So we'll delve into the topic. But I think a quick litmus test. This is my favorite Pasuk uh, in the Torah. Derechel Darchei Nayam Vechol Nesiva. Saha Shalom. The ways of the Torah are pleasant ways. And all its pathways are peace, of wholeness, of completion. The ways of the Torah are pleasant. If somebody is acting in a way that isn't pleasant, that's a sign that it's not Torah. Even if you could say, well, look at this source and look at that source. And, well, where, where exactly does it say that what I'm doing is not okay? It has to be pleasant. If it's not pleasant, it's not Yashar and Tov. It's not straight and good. The fact that you could hold a, a person hostage at your whim, it's 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 terrible. It's horrific. Now there's a sentiment that is often expressed. Well, why don't the rabbis do something about it? Why don't the rabbis do more? I think you should figure out a, a way and just make the problem go away from a, a legal perspective. So first of all, story. Avadia Yosef. Avadia Yosef was a rabbi, lived in Israel. Incredible person of heart, of mind. Unbelievable. A whole different, a different level. He passed away, tragically, about uh, 10 years ago. It was at his funeral. Well, amazing uh, person. And he had a heart procedure. And a super complicated one. And while he was already into his uh, into his ages, into his years. And the schedule, he had the surgery scheduled. And he did not go. He did not go. He's sitting at home. He has his driver waiting, taking him to the, to the surgery. And he says, I can't go. Can't go. You know, his son is sitting there. He's like, what do you mean? 
What do you mean you can't go? <laughs> Your life's at risk. Like we we gotta get this this thing. We can't delay it. There's major danger if we delay it. And he said, Right now I'm working on a case. Working on a case of an Aguna. Aguna, a woman who's chained to a marriage. And she doesn't have a get. Now this this current iteration of most Agunas are where there's a recalcitrant husband or recalcitrant party where a person's a refuser, right? And despicable action of refusing to get the get. But previously in history, where it really started off was where a husband would go missing. So let's say he'd be out in war or a boat sinks. And they're not sure if the person is alive or not. The person goes missing. So that's a classic case of an Aguna where she doesn't know if she's still married or not. So she's chained because on the side that she is married, she can't go and, and marry somebody else. Um, and that was the classic case. So to find creative ideas of how to figure out a, a way that halakhically, legally, to determine the, the husband's status who went missing. And he said, I'm working on this case and it's a complicated case. And I see a way through. I see a way through, but I need to, I need to work on this right now. Uh, I need to write it down. I need to issue uh, a verdict, a halachic psak, final legal law. And if I go now to the hospital and the procedure doesn't work out, then this woman's going to remain chained. I don't know if somebody else is going to be able to, to write this, to write this verdict. So I'm going to push off my surgery in order to help this woman. I heard this story from Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, who's the rabbi at Booker Tum Synagogue, BRS, on his podcast, Behind the Bima. Wonderful podcast. It's great interviews, great topics, great discussions. And this past episode, this past week's episode, he was talking about this specific topic of agunas and how, how utterly devastating and, and tragic uh, people's behaviors are in this area and how, how we have to not only call it out, but do whatever we can to solve the, uh, solve the cases. And each case is individual and has its own elements. And obviously you can't judge something without knowing the details. Uh, that would be reckless, um, irresponsible. Either way, we shouldn't be so quick to judge anybody. Um, but if a uh, court is approached and the court investigates and the court finds um, a person to be in contempt of, and it's a legitimate court, it's not just an ad hoc uh, activist uh, body, but it's a recognized institution that doesn't... Uh, uh, that has a process, they have hearings, and they determine that a person is in C-Rov, that they're a refuser, that they're recalcitrant, um, and then they should be called out and ostracized to the extent. Now, here's really the thing. And nowadays, why why is this something, a phenomenon and a tragic one and a sad one and a horrific one that we should not only empathize with, but do whatever we can if we have any sort of um, influence on any of the individuals involved 
um, to exert all that influence as much as possible. Why is it more current today than it was, say, 200 years ago, where it's very rare to, to have heard of any such a case? If you look in literature, throughout the ages, there's very little mentions of this type of aguna. There's of the first type, where the husband went out to war, or they went out to sea, and went missing. And rabbis endeavored allocating huge swaths of time and effort and creativity to create avenues, halachic, legal avenues, in order to permit the woman from moving on, or at least to determine uh, the fate of the husband. Endless time, heart, and mind has been poured into this by rabbis throughout generations, throughout centuries, like the story of Avadiyah Yosef delaying his life-threatening heart condition and its surgeries, to rabbis, contemporary rabbis, after in the aftermath of 9-11, when missing uh, husbands were not to be found. You see uh, the Senate this past Friday night pulled the all-nighter to pass the stimulus bill, and uh, there's reports of ordering in pizza and stretching and exercise routines and people whipping out their glasses and catnaps and and all that. The one night to, to put the urgency uh, to pass the bill. These rabbis were doing it night after night after night. Sometimes months on end, years on end to find solutions to this problem. Now, that was always the case of the Aguna. Now, this recalcitrant, the holding back, it's a newer thing because we don't have any more Jewish communities in the same sense as what it used to be. It used to be, if somebody was ostracized from the community, they didn't have other options to go to. If they went to a different Jewish community, they would be similarly ostracized there. The leaders of the community would send a letter and say, you got to ban him from your place too. There was no other options nowadays with movements, global movements and travel, most of the time a person that's recalcitrant and is a get refuser isn't abiding by Torah and they could just go to a random city somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where right, they don't necessarily identify as Jewish and they could assimilate into a non-Jewish community which wasn't an option 200 years ago. You, you were stuck and you needed the community. It was your source of employment. Nowadays, you could work remotely and do your own thing and never meet another Jew. And in general, even the community itself, if they stayed in the community, it was very strong and it was uniform and it was unified as opposed to today where it's so fragmented and there's so many different sub-communities and authority is is, is a long lost concept and one rabbi says that you're banned yeah that there's okay i don't listen to rabbis i do my own thing in my basement so there's there's not a lot of effect anymore in unfortunately in, in a zero in ostracized so the movement now on social media where the uh, movement has really come strong to the forefront using the hashtag free Chava. And 
it's really putting on a pressure that used to be quite effective. And then until really just now, that pressure was no longer accessible until say with the advent of social media and the fact that the word could get out so fast and it could actually create a, a social pressure. It's, it's incredible. And it's a testament to all the people that are putting out putting out uh, their statements to the effect, putting out the stories, putting out um, as much as much pressure as they can, and hopefully reaches to that point where it actually has an effect on gut refusers to, to actually step up to the table and do what is Yashar and Tov. The good news is, is that there is a solution. There is a halachic solution that can prevent in 100% of the cases, and it has prevented in 100% of the cases thus far, situations like these of agunas. And the solution is a prenuptial agreement, and there's halachic prenups that hours and days and endless amount of effort has been expended to iron out all details of it, that it is both binding by American law and the court system and binding by Jewish law and Bezdin and Halakha. It's completely effective on all on all angles. And the prenuptial agreement creates a great imperative to give the get immediately. And if not, it creates financial pressure, immense financial pressure in order to facilitate the process in an expedited manner and it is effective across the board. Rabbi Goldberg says his personal conduct, he'll never do a wedding without the halachic prenup. My rabbi, when he was training me in laws of cedar kedushin and arranging marriages, said the same thing. Don't do a marriage without a prenup and that is my policy. <laughs> right now, I'm not doing tons of weddings, but if I would be doing tons of weddings, that would be what I would do. And it's really what every couple should do. This process has gone through many, many different refinements. And at the point that it is right now, it is signed on upon and endorsed by the greatest rabbis of our times, Rabbi Asher Weiss, Shlomo Miller, Rabbi Mordechai Willig. So it should be employed across the board and the more it becomes mainstream and essential and required, uh, the less situations like this that will happen. Once this becomes mainstream and it's already mainstream, but once it becomes far, far uh, reaching in its effects, combining that with, with the current trends in Besden, and, and really in Besden reform, in how Besdens are raising the bar of excellence and efficiency, newer, younger Besden. So old uh, old acquaintance of mine, we went to Yeshiva together in Pasek, New Jersey. Rabbi Avram Khan started a Besden in New City, New York, which in already in its short time has established an incredible reputation, permeated um, all its doings, all its affairs are permeated with the highest levels of Torah integrity and all manners of education concerning all conflicts. 
and has incredible record of efficiency, timeliness, has very orderly, expedited dispute resolution right from the beginning of the intake process, data collection, investigative servants. Everybody is clear on the expectations, the schedules, user-friendly documentation, technological assistance uh, supported by personalized service. Uh, another old friend of mine from Yeshiva, Rabbi Grunenbaum, is a, a mediator there, and he's an incredible person, and and it's it's just a very a very innovative approach to Besdin that is pleasant. It's not stressful, and it's very much groundbreaking in that it has a diverse cross pollination of uh, halachic matters and industries, blending expertise of the most knowledgeable rabbis and lawyers to ensure that all their rulings can be awarded in both a secular court of law and, of course, in the Torah court of law. And the experience, judgment, and vision is embedded with the highest levels of of sanctity and clarity and honesty and integrity. So you take that, you add that with a new organization, the Yashar Coalition, which started by a family friend of ours, Ellie Goldbaum, together with Martin Friedlander, and promoting, so just awareness and, and the promotion of signing prenups in all communities. And when we can reach that point, the the solution, hopefully, is already here and can be implemented. And then together with pressuring the, the already existing cases and not only the parties and the people that could be influenced like this Sharabani guy or whatever other uh, vicious guy who's holding back uh, Getty using leverage or girl and really taking it I think to the next level you see in the in the, in the movies and TV shows right the CIA the, the terrorists they take the uh, the relative of the of the criminal because the, the person themselves they view themselves as a martyr and i'm going to go down with my ship and whatever okay fine drag me through the mud and i'm sticking my feet in further but when you can take some people close to them in their second degree of circle maybe pressure them maybe that's the the next level of pressure to call out the enablers and really go after them and they're starting to do this from my brief uh perusing it on, on social media to go after the enablers because the how could you enable this? You're you're just as bad as the person themselves. One other solution they had tried, I mentioned this once on the podcast, was the uh, the sting operation where they would actually torture the recalcitrant party, the the, the bad guy, um, the abuser in this case, to give the get. Uh, but that, of course, is illegal by American law. And eventually the rabbis, they were arrested. But you can understand where they're coming from because it's so painful and so hard to see and see people suffering and to do whatever you can to get this person. So to the extent that it's illegal, we can't do it here in America. But to put all sorts of non-physical pressure um, in order to affect change and real change and solve this problem for once and for all, put an end to it. In summary, we've got to do all we can to rectify any injustice. That's what we're called upon by the Torah as Jewish people, to rectify injustice, no matter where or how it manifests, especially 
when it happens in our own communities. It's a betrayal of what it means to be a Torah community, and it's frankly an embarrassment. And we just do all we can if we can have direct influence, if by raising social pressure, if by davening and empathizing with the person, do whatever you can. And ultimately to to realize that it's less of a issue of halachic details in divorce and more of an issue of a general outlook to Torah of Yasher and Tov, that we're supposed to be Yasher and Tov, and people that fail to do so are not only Naval versus Torah despicable while keeping Torah, but they disparage and bring down what it means, the ideals of, of Torah, and manifest in other areas as well, not only in the specific case of Geda and Aguna, but in financial matters, in other areas, ethical areas of our lives, where each person, myself included, let's focus on not only the technical details, is this according to halakha, is it not, really to endeavor to understand the deeper messages and the deeper trajectory and the goal, the aim of becoming Yashar Tov, becoming good, kind, compassionate, loving, patient, understanding, wise people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Harusa. If you enjoyed before, even subscribe and rate it five stars and review and all that, and listen to the other episodes, please Reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts, connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347-893-4467. Chavrusapodcast at gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day overflowing with happiness.